Hi there, and welcome to the oompal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode number 13, I'm happy to bring to you a chat with Joyce White of Tobacco Supermarket. You can visit her online tobacco store at www.tobaccosupermarket.com. This podcast is brought to you by Von Erk's Classics. Lee Von Erk is a name synonymous with great pipes with tons of style. Lee's been making pipes for over 20 years, and the artistic voice in each is recognizable from a mile away. If you have not yet experienced a Lee Von Erk pipe, go to www.von-erk.com, that's V-O-N-E-R-C-K.com, and let those images speak for themselves. Lee has spent years perfecting his own unique process, which makes these one-of-a-kind works of art such great smokers. Acquire your own Von Erk Classic today. For the following podcast, I caught up with Joyce White on December 30th, 2008. Have a seat, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. With us on the line today, we have Joyce White from TobaccoSupermarket.com. Joyce, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for uh, being on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. Tell me about the current online store that you own and operate, Tobacco Supermarket. Well, since I'm in semi-retirement, I kept my mail order business, and I do it out of my home. And uh, I sell snuff, smokeless tobacco, uh, pipe tobacco, and roll your own. And we have customers that we ship out every month to on a regular basis, and right now we're shipping all over the world. You have a really amazing selection of pipe tobacco as well as nasal snuff. Tell me about what some of your more hot items are there. Well, we do sell a lot of snuff, but then we always have sold snuff. Even in the 70s, we sold that. Some pipe tobacco that's hard to get um, is hot, but for the most part, uh, let's see, McClellan's and Cornell and Deal, the Galwith Hogarth, Samuel Galwith, all those things are very popular. Tell me about how you got started with pipes. <laughs> well, that went back to when I needed a job. I just moved to Atlanta and... Uh, there was an ad in the paper, and I had never worked uh, retail. So I went down and applied, and they were shocked because no woman had ever worked in that store before. And the only way you found women in the business back in the 70s was perhaps they had become a widow. So it was an experiment, and the gentleman who owned the store, he said, well, what can you do for me? And I said, well, I can replace all the people here. I make coffee, I type, and I also clean. So, <laughs> so he said, well, we'll try it for a couple of weeks. And unfortunately, I outlasted all of them. <laughs> and that, uh, was, that was Royal Cigar downtown Atlanta, right? That's right. And um, I bought the store after the owner's death. And it was a sad day when he died because he was the most wonderful person to work for. And who was that? Bill Kiley. And he was unusual in the business. He knew nothing about it. And he had bought it a year before I went to work there. He was always doing entertaining things. He he had people laughing all the time. He enjoyed 
being with people. Mm -hmm. So it was an adventure, and when he died, uh, the wife did not want the business, so I bought it from them, and the only reason I bought it was for mail order, (laughs) which seems strange, doesn't it? Uh, I never wanted the retail store, but it was a package deal. After I bought it, we did certain things, and in 89... We had an online banner. Uh, My son said, that's the wave of the future. You've got to go with it. And I said, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he said, well, it'll cost you $20 a month, and it's worth it. And after, I think, a couple of years, we went with, uh, uh, it was text. Mm -hmm. That was in 91, I think. And by 93, we had to have a shopping cart. That's how I got into it. You went from downtown brick and mortar, and you moved to uh, Druid Hills, a different location. How many different locations did you have? In 91, I moved the store to Peachtree Street. Okay. We were right on Peachtree and 20, was it, 26th Street. And then I moved into the building as well. I had a, a storefront on Peachtree, and I had the penthouse there, so all I had to do was ride down on an elevator to work. Oh, that's nice. And there was a restaurant there, so <laughs> wow. So life was great during that period of time. And um, then the Olympics came along. Mm-hmm. We opened another store just for the Olympics on Juniper Street. And it was called Havana House. It lasted for about four months, and I closed it because that's the only lease that I had on that. And and I didn't want to put in the hours there. So the building sold in 97, and um, they wanted the penthouse back right away. So I had to move, and I bought this house that I currently have everything in. And I bought it only for the driveway. Oh, really? That's Tell me about the only that. reason I bought it was because I thought, well, I'll bring my business home after a while. And uh, being on Claremont, people wouldn't be too concerned about, you know, delivery trucks. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, it's hard to back out, but there's this driveway that goes down into the subdivision. Mm-hmm. No turning around. So... Just for that reason, I bought this house That's for the driveway, and uh, <laughs> and I kept thinking, well, I'm I'm going to close the business eventually. But I did move it from Peachtree to North Druid Hills or Briarcliff. I'm sorry, Briarcliff and La Vista. When did you it, move it to uh, Briarcliff? In ninety ninety eight. Okay, we moved it over here in ninety eight. And it was a big location. I don't think you were ever in that one. You were in the small store, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, I think so. Well, three doors up was this huge, vast thing that no one wanted. And I thought, I don't care whether I really have visibility or not, because the main goal here is mail order. Mm-hmm. So after a while, I thought, God, I'm paying two electric bills because this was more than one space 
and all these different things. And a real small spot opened up there, three doors down. I thought, I'll move. So I moved down there, and I was there for about three or four years. And that was your last brick-and-mortar location, right? That's right, and uh, I'm sorry I didn't do it five years before that. Really? Yeah, Um, because if anyone owns a retail smoke shop, the minute you open your doors, it's at least $10,000 out of your pocket right there. By having a mail-order business, you don't have that. Mm -hmm. You don't have any overhead, basically. It's very little. You also don't have all the hassles that that come with uh, neighbors and whatnot, too. That's right, uh, about people smoking in the store. It's drifting into other areas. You don't have any of that going on. (laughs) That's nice. Yes, and you can set your own hours. I like that. Mm -hmm. I have movie time every day and all these other things going on. I really like just staying at home and doing mail order. Is the U.S. where most of your orders go to? No. Where do most of your orders go to overseas? Any particular country that does more than any other one? Well, let's see. I send a lot into England, Germany, Italy, and Greece. Those is a, and you know, every other country gets something too. But uh, those, the U.K. is a big one. Nasal snuff isn't that big over here in the States. Where do you send most of your nasal snuff to? In the States. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people use nasal snuff. You just don't know about it. You don't see it. And they can use it at work. And some people even use nasal snuff between layers of pipe tobacco in their pipes. No kidding. I didn't know that. It's, it's interesting if you never tried it hmm. to do it. Um, I've done it, you know, it's, it's different. What are some of your most memorable moments from Royal Cigar back when it was a brick and mortar shop? Well, let's see. We used to have, um, people in all the time. It was always interesting because back then a million dollars was really big money. You'd have millionaires standing beside somebody who was homeless. Mm Mm-hmm. It was that kind of a a store. We were next to a liquor store, uh, you know, and all kinds of things went on there. Uh, We had bookies that came in, and we had a pay phone, (laughs) which no one has anymore, but we had one. And bookies would uh, do transactions on that pay phone. No kidding. No kidding. And we used to have uh, one former governor, U.S. senator, come in. And one day I read in the paper that he was under investigation and something about $100 bills in his uh, pocket that he would bring out and pay for everything in cash. And uh, I thought, well, by God, it's true. Because he always paid me in $100 bills that were you know, fresh, crisp, and everything. And I thought, wonder where he is getting that money. (laughs) (laughs) And we had uh, people from Coca-Cola. I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, We did his pipe repairs, all that. We had former governors come in. And I also met uh, Bjorn down there. Oh, really? That's where you first Uh met? 
he came to see us when he started in the business, and I always liked him. And uh, he followed us from location to location. Yeah, I um, I first met him at, at your place when it was on uh, right off of Briarcliff, and then again at your house, and, and that's where we did the interview was at your house, right before he passed away this earlier this year. Right, and he was just such a nice man, um, honest, and, uh, you know, just enjoyed new smokers. He was a really nice guy. He was, but a lot of nice people have been in this industry. Uh, Peter Stokeby, uh, he was really something else. He was quite a character, and I don't think you came when he was alive. Mm-mm, nope. That was before uh, me. He did a slideshow for us, and we had a lot of fun. Um, but Peter Stokeby was always the life of the party. And I can remember at one RTDA, I walked past a bar, and they were carrying him out. <laughs> the man could drink. I've never seen anyone drink like he did. But he had absolutely passed out, and this was a big guy. Yeah. So there were at least eight guys bringing him out of that bar. Tell me about some of the other friendships you've acquired over the years um, through the industry. You you must have met so many different people. I have. I like Randy Wiley. He's just such a nice person. And hopefully the Pipe Club will have him up maybe this coming year. If you've never met Randy, he he is certainly a lot of fun. And he looks so young. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. He's a handsome guy and looks young, and he has a lot of stories. And people like Randy Wiley. Uh, Steve Monger is a great guy. Yeah, he sure is. I met Steve through you, too. Right. Super nice Uh, guy. He makes the rounds, and he has great product to sell. Um trying to think uh, over the years. Of course, the McNeils are nice people at McClellan. And I used to talk to her first husband on the phone when they first started in the business because we were one of the people that carried their product back in, I think, middle or late 70s. We picked it up. And we've always carried it, I guess, since I've been you know, in the picture. Um, You used to actually work on pipes, right? Um, I used to do quite a lot of pipe repairs myself, uh, band pipes, clean them, do all that. That was part of the training. Uh, At one time, they made pipes at Royal Cigar. Only they called them Schwartz's pipes. Hmm. Why'd they call them that? Because the original owner, his name was Abraham Schwartz, and he owned the liquor store as well. I don't know what he did during Prohibition, because the store was started in 1922. Hmm. And there was um, a counter on one side of the store where you could order food. They served uh, meals there, and on the other side it was tobacco. It was interesting, but they did away with the uh, the restaurant portion, I think, in, like, 1955. A second man bought it, 
Manny Levy, and he was one of the people who started the um, TAA, Tobacconist Association of America. And he was a good friend of Mr. Lane, who started Lane Limited. He also lived in Atlanta, Mr. Lane did. And in the mid to late 70s, Lane Limited moved down here into Georgia from New Jersey. They built a big place down here. And of course, I guess it was last year or year before that they moved out of Georgia because they had been bought again. What are some of the stranger things that have happened? You probably have limitless stories, and I know you can't share them all here, but are there any that you can share that are just kind of odd things that have happened over the years? Well, let's see. The, I think the strangest thing I had happen was um, a guy uh, used to come into the store, and he wasn't quite right. He had problems, mental problems, and I looked out, and here was George coming into the shop, and all he had on was a shirt. He did not have anything below the waist on, and he was carrying a guitar with one string. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a bit odd. Yeah, that is you odd. Know? Uh, not, not the typical what, customer, I guess. Yeah, what do you do, uh, you know, with somebody like this? And, um, of course... You know, we're talking to George, you've got to put some pants on. Where are your clothes? Where did you leave them? We'll go out and get something. Finally, we got him dressed in something and sent him on his way. But, I mean, there have been really crazy things. And on Peachtree, I had a jaguar come through my store. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, It had left the restaurant next door, and on the long driveway down... Um, the gas pedal stuck, and he had gone out into Peachtree Street and made a quick right, came between two pillars, and parked it in my store. Wow. And four people got out, unharmed, but I didn't have a storefront at that point. Wow. Uh, I mean, you know, and the funniest thing I decided right then it didn't make any difference how clean your store was. No one was going to pay any attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, every customer that came in, there was, you know, cinder block stuff all over the place. No one said, what happened? <laughs> they just wanted to know, well, what did you do with this? What did you do with that? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, this is bizarre. They want to know where their uh, favorite tobacco was, huh? Yeah, where is it? And in that episode, not a thing that belonged to me was damaged. Wow, that's great. And the next uh, week, I moved my store around so that if it happened again, it would take it off. (laughs) (laughs) Do you smoke a pipe? I do. Um, Some people see me smoke a pipe. It's usually to come up with a blend And I've been doing quite a bit of that lately because I've had to replace most of the lane blends. And they did the Laris tobacco, like Edgeworth, Rum and Maple, and all that. So you have to get close to whatever it was that they were smoking. You blend something yourself and uh, smoke it to see how close it is to the original. How close it is to the actual product. And then you keep working on it until you get it to a satisfactory level. It has to look like it and smell like it. 
That's before it will taste like it. Now that's service. I that's great. That is great. Well, you take things apart and you look at them and decide what in the world is this. Then the proportions you have to get them right. What are some of your favorite pipes and why? Well, right now I own some Dunhills and some Peterson pipes, and that seems like a strange combination. But it's because of the tobacco that I like to smoke that I have uh, designated those pipes as the ones that I'll use. Okay, so tell me about your uh, your Petersons and your Dunhills and, and why you've chosen to uh, smoke those two groups more than anything else. Well, I found that um, the um, Peterson pipes are great with some tobacco that has perique in them and brings out different things for me. And that the... Um, the Dunhill pipes are great for Virginia's and also uh, for Latakia Oriental blends. So that's what I, I usually do. And I do have some corn cobs that I use to smoke aromatics. I'm not an aromatic smoker as a rule. Do you have a pretty big pipe collection? No, not anymore. I've sold them off. I'd have them on my desk and... People would come by and pick them up and say, oh, what a nice pipe. I'd like that. How much is it? And I'd quote a price, and if it was too high, they'd leave it, but the next time they'd come back and buy it. <laughs> so I'm probably down to about mm, 10 pipes. Do you but sell my, pipes anymore on your website? Uh, you know, somebody uh, inquired today about two pipes, and, and I looked, and the pictures were gone, but they wanted to buy them without the pictures. I thought, this is just strange. But, uh, no, I sell pipes every week, and most of them aren't even on the website. But I'll put some up, and and they'll go. <laughs> but I do have pipes here, and they're waiting for somebody to buy them. And if I put all of them up, they might buy them. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have a, a most requested item through Tobacco Supermarket, do you? No, I don't, because, uh, I mean, there's certain items that sell every single month. Mm -hmm. um, and some people are calling me for things that I haven't heard of in, you know, maybe 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, What's the strangest, most rare thing you've got right now? That people would really, really like to get their hands on. Well, I just sold all of it. I had uh, Balkan uh, Sobrani. Oh, really? Yeah. I had several cans of it here in all different sizes. And I sold that off. Um, some of it went back to the 70s. If I could get my hands on Condor, that's requested. It's still being made. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not imported over here i really enjoy it I, I know there's a lot of people who do and a lot of people who don't it's one of those things that either you love it or you hate it you know that's right and uh you know there's a lot of tobacco that is still made elsewhere but not imported here and of course with the economy i don't think we're going to see those items appear mm -hmm. anytime soon um but our world is shrinking. Um, Butera just sold out uh, his pipe tobacco line. 
uh, we should see more consolidation during the, during this bleak period. I just don't know, you know, what the future holds for this. I think uh, we're going to to have a lot more taxes levied on us because somebody has to pay for the bailout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And tobacco is a favorite scapegoat because most politicians figure, well, you know, no one smokes anymore, so let's give it to them. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with attacking alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> At least share part of it and, yeah. you know, soda pop. Everybody drinks that, I think. And of course, Lane was sold. I don't know who else has been bought out recently, but we will see changes. When I first started attending uh, the Atlanta Pipe Club meetings, it was in your brick-and-mortar shop right off Truett Hills, or Briarcliff, rather. And I remember pouring over those pipes in those big glass cases that you had in the store. And if you went behind the counter to open up the glass to look at a pipe, all you had to do was ask. It was a really nice kind of welcoming feeling. And um, I just want to say thanks for... You know, what a wonderful introduction to a pipe club that way. You you hosted Atlanta Pipe Club for a long time. When did you start doing that? Uh, let's see. The original startup was an event that we had on Peachtree Street, Mike Hagley. He was talking to me, and we decided to have this thing, and we contacted everybody. Would they like to come? Or, you know, we we would have tables and um, we would have door prizes. And at that time, almost everybody gave to this thing a prize. Mm -hmm. And we had uh, tables for sale for $10. Now, we didn't make anything off that because the tables came from the building and the guy who put them out and put them back charged me ten dollars <laughs> but we must have had oh maybe 20 or 25 tables and we had a good showing of people made a lot of money that day and uh then this they decided well they'd like to have a club so at that event we took names mm-hmm. of people and then uh, they contacted them and it was held up in Gwinnett County at, I think the restaurant was called Cripple Creek, something like that. And I didn't go because I thought, well, that would be a conflict of interest. But then after, I think, the second meeting, they kept saying, well, why don't you come? Why don't you come? So I did. And then uh, Mike was working in Amsterdam, and he couldn't hold the meetings. So... Everybody wanted to meet, and I said, well, we can have it at my store if you want. And that's how it really started in. And when was that? That was back in maybe 98. Yeah, about 98. That's when it's, uh, That's when they started meeting in my store. Then we, um, when I closed the retail store at the end of 2005, we had made arrangements for everybody to go to Edwards, you know, on Piedmont. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed everything was going fine, but at the end of the year, uh, they mentioned that attendance was zero, and would I host it at my house? So I said, well, yeah, I'll do that. So I did. 
up until this year. And it just got to be too much of a, a strain for me to, mm-hmm. you know, plan, you know, on having people every single month come over. I had to clean, yeah. for heaven's sake, clean my house. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's quite a few of us, too. So Yeah, so, you know, they've been trying to get things organized. And, of course, we have a meeting uh, January 17th at Manuel's Tavern. Mm-hmm. And uh, Craig Tarler and his son have graciously agreed to come and give a, a talk on pipe tobacco. Yeah, that's going to be great. I think so, too. I've never met Craig, um, and so I'm planning on going, and I hope everybody else is also, because, you know, this is an opportunity to meet somebody that you've never met before. Anybody listening who's interested, you know, Manuel's, of course, is right downtown. You can you can Google it and find out where in Atlanta it is. But um, easy to get to, smoke-friendly. You can smoke your pipe inside. And so it's a perfect place for this, this type of event. Like Joyce said, it's on the 17th of January, 2009. So if you can make it, if you're in town, please come by. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very good. And it starts at 7 p.m., and they will have uh, some trays of snacks there, an open bar, well, cash bar, I should say. Uh, But you can order food if you're hungry, uh, whatever. Um, You know, it's just a nice place with uh, ample parking. They Mm -hmm. have their own parking lot. You don't have to pay for that. Brunswick Stew there is very good, by the way. Thank you so much for all the times that you've been so gracious and and welcoming all of us into your home i know that that's not um not an easy thing and it's it's it can be stressful with that many people too so thank you very much because it's it was always a joy and it's um it's always nice to see the amazing selection you have and everyone out there who's listening you can go to tobaccosupermarket.com and see what i'm talking about Joyce's selection of tobaccos, pipe tobaccos, nasal snuff, it is incredible. She ships all around the world. Um, Go there and check it out because um, you won't be sorry. No matter where you live, no matter where you're listening to this, um, check it out. I know we've got listeners all over the world. So, uh, again, that's tobaccosupermarket.com. Check her out and start ordering from Joyce today. Uh, Joyce, what can we expect from you and Tobacco Supermarket in 2009? Well, hopefully we'll give the the same service that we've been providing. And uh, if they can't reach me, normally my son will be here. And since he grew up in the business, he knows just about everything there is to know (laughs) about product. Hopefully we'll have more customers in 2009. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us, Joyce, and thanks for all the wonderful uh, memories of Atlanta Pipe Club when uh, I first started going to it. Thanks for having such a a great online presence where pipe tobacco is concerned, especially because um, it is really quite a selection. Your ability to bring in big names from all over the place who are carvers and um, tobacconists and everything else is is really admirable so thanks for everything and it's been absolutely my pleasure to talk to you today and that was my chat with Joyce White owner and operator of Tobacco Supermarket 
which can be found online at www.tobaccosupermarket.com. This podcast was brought to you by Von Erk Classics. Go check out Lee Von Erk's pipes at www.von-erk.com. That's V-O-N-E-R-C-K.com. I have a Lee Von Erk pipe, and I can tell you they are wonderful. They're not just great smokers. They look fantastic. I can't say enough about the guy, not to mention his work. A great guy with an outstanding product. www.von-erk.com Let's do this again soon. I'm Oli with Oompal.com wishing you very good luck trying to figure out which tobacco from TobaccoSupermarket.com is going to be next in your tobacco collection.